Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Transplants Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels, and today I'm joined by someone who recently completed the tough challenge of running from Land's End to John O'Groats to raise money for Transplant Sport. It's kidney transplant recipient and Transplant Team GB runner Ryan Brett. Ryan tells me about the challenges he faced on his 17-day run, how he kept going for so long, the planning that goes into something like this, and much, much more. He's also been very successful at the World Transplant Games and shares some tips on how you can get into running, so make sure you stick around for that. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Ryan Brett, welcome to Transplants Take on Sport. Hello. Thank you for coming on. Um, it's been it's been a while since the last podcast was released. About um, it's been four weeks. Didn't want to take too much of a break, but sometimes things happen and breaks need to be taken. And that is going to be more of the schedule from now on. It will be every month rather than every other week like we have been doing. So every four weeks there'll be a new podcast. And that is because I'm going back to university uh, in September. We're currently recording this in the right at the end of August. Um, so with me going back to university, time just gets in the way. Other things get in the way. Uh so as long as time allows, this will be every month from now on. So please do stick by. Please keep supporting that you have done so far. Much appreciated. And this podcast is not going anywhere. All the old ones will still be available and there'll be plenty more with new inspiring guests with uplifting stories, just like Ryan who's with me today. And Ryan had, uh, just like me, a kidney transplant and is quite a talented runner. And recently, you took part in the challenge of running from Land's End to John O'Groats to raise money for transplant sport. What made you decide to take on such a tough challenge? Um, I think it was just, it spins in my head for a few years. And I, I'm not too sure why. It's just, I'm, I like to challenge myself. So, and yeah, I've done a bit of running in the past and it's just the whole idea of pushing myself to the limit basically like both mentally and physically and yeah it was just something I saw I can't remember where I saw it but and I was just amazed that someone could run that far and I I think the world record was something like nine days or something like that and I was like wow and at the time I was doing sort of marathons I was doing sort of long stuff but not to that degree and yeah it's, it just always stuck 
in my head and it's just been a seed that I can't get rid of. <laughs> How far is it? Uh, so in total, I think I ran 847 miles. Wow. That's a long way. Yeah, it's a bit, bit further than a marathon. How long did that take you? I think I saw something on social media. S- 17 days it took, which was the plan, and it, the plan all went well. Before you started that, obviously it's, it is a tough challenge. We, we know that, and anyone who... I wouldn't be able to take that on. If I run, I run for fitness rather than enjoyment. I, <laughs> I tend to get a little bit bored running. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's, gonna, it's taxing on your body. What did your medical team think if and when you said, this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it? Well, when I told them, they sort of weren't surprised because of the stuff I've done in my past. They didn't really, they were like, okay. They were like, obviously, the hydration. But where in the past I've done these events and challenges, I sort of not know what I'm doing, but (laughs) know how to look after my body sort of thing. How do you train and prepare for something that's as as much of an endurance event and as challenging as that uh well funny enough loads of people ask this how do you train there's no training program for that kind of mileage so it it was mainly just keeping steady really like it was a really slow pace but just on my feet just keeping on my feet doing as many miles as much time on my feet as I can really and I think the mental side of it I think I put down to the transplant has made me more resilient and yeah, so the men- that helped with the mental side of things. Definitely. And once, you, once you've had that transplant you, and everything that goes along with that, the illness beforehand, which we are going to come on and talk about in more detail later on in the podcast. But I think as a sort of a community, a, a group of people, we've, we've been through these challenging times and it does make you a lot stronger mentally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Most definitely, like some of the stuff I've done, I wouldn't even have considered beforehand. But it's it's that cliche of a new lease of life. Do you know what I mean? So I I definitely have got the bug and just want to eke out everything that's there <laughs> to offer me in life, sort of thing. Before doing something like this, and you said it, it takes you seventeen days, is there a lot of admin to do beforehand when it comes to things like hotels and obviously route planning, but the things that maybe you wouldn't think about if you thought, yeah, I've had to take it on that challenge. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was, to, to be fair, it's the one thing that I hate. <laughs> I'd much <laughs> rather get up and go and run. But, yeah, like, I don't know if you've ever um, done that street view on Google Map. I spent yeah, yeah. hours just going forward and forward, going down so many roads. And, yeah, the planning of it took, yeah, forever. A lot longer than 17 days. <laughs> Did you have, have like sort of reserve days or some sort of planning in place for if it did take you a bit longer, whether that be for delays, injuries, like extra hotels booked or anything like that? No, I had nothing. So it was literally these. And I think it worked perfect for me because I literally, from day one to day 17, it was literally get up at the hotel. That's where I'm staying. So that's where I've got to get to today, basically. And yeah, that I think it helped a lot. I had no rest days. People also said to me about, oh, you should have had a rest day. But I think that kind of event, if you have a rest day, I'm not going to get back up and go again. Yeah, I mean, from my my own experience of sport and playing cricket, football over the years, especially when you 
not young playing football because then he can he can just run forever when he's sort of ten years old. There's something something strange that means you can just sprint everywhere. But um, as you get to a sort of late teens, adults, if you stop even for sort of half an hour, an hour, when you've been going full on like you will have been running all day, you just seize up. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the key. Like obviously my stops, I'd have to stop and get my lunch, get food along the way and that, but they were really brief. That wasn't sit down for an hour and think, I just couldn't let my mind relax. It was like a sort of survival mode. Yeah, and speaking of food, how did you fuel yourself along the way in terms of snacks and meals and organising meals as well with being able, having to run all day to make sure you hit your targets of where you wanted to get to? So that come in the uh, plan as well, that like on my routes and that I knew exactly where I'd go. What's, uh, you, like It's the tiny things you have to look for, like what time does that tea room open and close on a Monday sort of thing because up and down the country, like a certain fish and chip shop, say, would be shot on a Monday. I'd have to make sure. <laughs> it's funny, but that, that so many times I got caught out of things like that, it would, like, catch me out. But, yeah, that was all in the planning as well. And then fuel was just everything and anything, literally. I can't tell you how many sausage rolls I ate. <laughs> <laughs> Were you taking loads of cereal bars? And I don't know if the thing I'm about to say, I don't know if, kidney transplants or any transplant recipients would be able to have these or not, whether they come under certain uh, restrictions or foods to avoid. And again, similar to protein shakes, I'm not sure of the rules on that either. But there was the energy gels and high protein bars, things like that. Yeah, well, I'm quite fortunate. I've, I've not got really anything I need to watch out for apart from the obvious sort of like the bloody meats and stuff like that but no I, I could eat pretty much what I liked but with the energy gels I'm not a big fan of them like <laughs> even through like marathon training I've never sort of taken gels and stuff like that but it was just mainly I would say proper food it's not proper food but just anything sausage rolls sandwiches um up in Scotland they had uh scotch pies and stuff like that just anything that sort of but what, like looking back now, there was no way I could eat the amount of calories that was burning off anyway. So it was just, again, even that was sort of survival mode. There was a time where I bought a chicken salad sandwich and it must have took me about an hour to eat it because I couldn't just eat it as you would normally eat. Because if I took a bite, sort of I'd get like a gag reflex and my body would refuse yeah, yeah. it. So I had to take like nibbles of this sandwich, but I had to get this sandwich in me. So yeah, like I was just nibbled through this sandwich. It was yeah, it was crazy. If people are listening to this well into the future, um, it, we hope that COVID may be a thing of the past. We don't know if it will be or not. But you completed the challenge during was this was it still a lockdown then? Um, no, it was lifted. It was it was lifting because I was um, a bit worried about Scotland going back because hmm. on the news at the time while I was running. Scotland were thinking about going back into it and I was like oh no <laughs> I didn't need this because I um I originally put it off because was, I was meant to do it in 2020 and I was fortunate enough to have basically my whole route with transplant recipients I was staying with them at their house but um obviously with what's gone on and then yeah it was a really tough time for me mentally because I built myself up so like 
I was anything I thought about was about the jog and then obviously COVID it just locked down everything and everything come closing in so with 2021 it was sort of the opposite like everything started opening it was all coming together and um but I didn't want to burden anyone because obviously people were like yeah you can still stay at mine don't worry about hotels but it, I didn't want to put any pressure on anyone because obviously with COVID, you don't know, everyone's got a different opinion sort of thing. So I didn't yeah. want to burden anyone. So I just literally booked hotels for the whole route. Were there any other challenges that the, the there were still some restrictions in that they posed along the way? Um, not really. Apart from um, trying to run 50 miles a day and then go into somewhere with a mask on was quite hard. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, it was it was okay. It was okay, actually. You obviously had to do their sanitising, all their track and trace things for the hotels and restaurants and whatnot. But no, that was kind of it was okay. Did it lead to any sort of? Uh, I mean, I've got a question coming up that that sort of says no in a way. But did you suffer from sort of loneliness on the way with that, without people wanting to get too close to you? I knew what I wanted to get too close to other people. Yeah, well, it's very like I had um I had friends come with me on the route. I had a lot of the transport community come with me, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the vast majority was on my own, and yeah, it was very. That was one of the challenges, sort of in your own head for twelve, thirteen hours a day, just trying to put one foot in front of the other, sort of thing. That was one of the big challenges. Yeah, and as transport recipients, we're part. We are were. We're part of the clinically vulnerable group that were high risk to, and still are high risk to COVID-19 because of our immunosuppressive medication. Did you have to adapt in any way to complete the run because of your transplant or your medication, things like that? Um, if if anything, it sort of helped because I, I take the medication at a certain time. It sort of kept me on track, sort of I knew... Mm. Like it was a routine. It was the best thing for me to keep sort of that routine. I'll take this tablet at this time, that uh, that time sort of thing. So throughout the day, that sort of helped in a way. Um, but to burden, no, it didn't. I can't think of anything. I thought there might be some sort of um, maybe adaptation, but I suppose the way now you've said it, it probably is a help because we get into these routines of taking our tablets at set times because we have to to make them work to their to the, the best they can do but so you are i don't know about you but i'm up at the same time every day so maybe that helped in terms of making sure right i'm up i'm running something else to get up for other than running yeah yeah so obviously the one of the main factors of the challenge was i wouldn't spend any time in the hotel in the morning i would literally get up i've got a the routine i'm quite ocd i don't think like sort of laid out certain things went in certain pockets sort of thing and I was literally up have a wash get out the door before my brain sort of realized what I've got to do today if you know what I mean <laughs> sort of trying to get out running before my brain wakes up sort of thing you're out there for such a long time once you are out on the roads how would you entertain yourself going that far <laughs> um Oh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. You sort of look for... One of my main things was you sort of look forward to stuff because obviously people said they're going to meet me along the route, whether it's cheering me on or run for a little bit. And it, that was their motivation. That's what 
I look forward to for that day. I knew I'm going to meet that person in 10 miles. Then I'm going to meet this person in another 10 miles. It was sort of because some of the hard, the hardest days were when there was nobody. They were the hardest days. And there wasn't many people at the start down in Cornwall and that. And that's, I really struggled then. And then there were certain yeah. days where there was loads of people and the day just flew. And I was like, wow, Like I'm at the hotel already. I finished that day. It's, it's the support like really did like even people that come out and gave me jelly babies and I saw them for five minutes sort of thing they it's not just for that five minutes that kept me going for another four hours sort of thing it's the boost you got I got from that was amazing it shows the power of the transmat community and how it's all one big team everyone's there for each other and every I've said this so many times on the podcast but everybody knows what the others have been through what they're going through and can understand the challenges yeah yeah definitely definitely and yeah well i couldn't i couldn't have done it without them and there were some people that people that i don't even know sort of thing they were like oh i know you're from the transplant games i saw you sort of thing come out and that just it just means everything it really did just mean everything that must be so much more motivating than i don't know if you would you listen to music when you're running no see i didn't i i did sometimes but it got me out of a rhythm yeah i couldn't concentrate because obviously the roads that I was running on as well some of them were quite dangerous as well I couldn't afford to lose concentration like to be sort of yeah. on the ball which was also mentally draining because it's not like you're going over a park and you just sort of switch off and run around it you're on these roads so you have to be wary of what's coming at you and obviously the route you don't want to take a wrong turn and go 10 miles the wrong way sort of thing so yeah you really had to be on the ball for them 12, 13 hours when I was running. Did I see something on the Transplant Sport Facebook group about there being like a road closure or some sort of some sort of danger on the road that made you go somewhere else? Yeah, so I think I had three in total. Two took me off course, but luckily enough, it was quite easy to find another route. So it was only an extra two, three miles, I think. But one of them I had to go over a field, run down a field, and then come back onto the road because it would have added on. I think it was, yeah, it was a lot of miles that I couldn't afford to run. <laughs> so, yeah, I just jumped over onto a farmer's field and ran down the field. I'm sure he would have allowed me if Need he saw must. me. <laughs> just to explain what you're doing it for, why you're doing it, and, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, I'm sure. Have you always been into running and running these sort of distances? No, no. So my first experience of running was before my transplant. I um, In 2013, I ran the London Marathon. This was my first running experience. I didn't know what I was doing, wow. but I signed up to it to raise money for kidney research. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know any runners. I weren't part of a running group or anything like that. And I just literally ran. I had a three-mile loop by my house. I just ran that once. Then I'd build up and build up. I didn't have any experience at all. And then I'd done it and, yeah, it was the most amazing experience, most amazing experience. And then after that, I didn't do anything because that was in 2013. My transplant was 2015. So I sort of deteriorated after that, getting a bit worse to 2015. But then after that, I picked it up again. That's remarkable. And we'll come on to your transplant very soon. But before that, I mean, running a marathon is your first sort of running event. <laughs> What, what sort of time did you do it in? I did it in a 3.41, which is quite good, I think. Yeah. Consider, and, and then, 
sorry, I was going to just say, I always say to people as well, my first ever run, I ran, it was for one mile it was, and it was uphill. I didn't know what, I was probably, like you said, running like a 10-year-old, just sprinting for a mile. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I was actually sick. At the top of this hill, I was actually sick. That's how inexper- inexperienced I was. You ran up like a 10-year-old and ran down, literally like a toddler running down a hill. <laughs> yeah. What was your sort of motivation to run the London Marathon at that point? Um, I think it was to raise money for kidney research because obviously I was going through all these um, meetings, going to the hospital, all these appointments and stuff. And I think just at the time I just wanted to give something back. Do you know what I mean? Raise a bit of money and I didn't really know what to do and I thought oh well anyone could sort of run so I'll give running a go and it's <laughs> got a place in the London Marathon so that was that. So that was 2013 yes. at what point did you first find out that something was wrong with your kidneys? In two, summer 2010 I was a um, club rep out in Iron Apple in Cyprus mm-hmm. um, and yeah just working out there in the heat and then um I got these really severe migraines, really, really bad headaches. And my vision was like really blurred sort of thing. And I was like, oh, what's sort of what's this? Is it just the heat out there or whatnot? And it really escalated really quickly from that, my feet swollen and just being sick constantly. And I was like, oh, well, this I need to sort of go back home. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, the booked a flight from there, went home. The flight was horrendous, like. The whole way I was just vomiting. Yeah, it was Ooh. it was terrible. And I landed from there. I went to a doctor's. The doctor saw me, prescribed me with, I can't even remember what he gave me now. Gave me something. But then he phoned me that evening. So I, I went there in the morning, I think it was. And then that evening phoned me and because t- he was that concerned and told me to go straight to hospital. That sounds familiar. Very, very familiar. And I wasn't a club ref in Ayanapa. Um <laughs> But yeah, that sort of swollen legs and a, a plane. I'm, I'm sure that makes your legs or can make your legs swell up even more. Can't yeah, it? yeah. It was that. Oh, it's. I'm surprised it didn't put me off flying. To be fair, but <laughs> that was the the worst flight ever. That call from the doctors. I had a very similar one. You go there and then suddenly, oh, it's this is quite serious. And you get the phone call. You got to go to hospital now. What were you thinking at that point? Um, well, I don't want to swear, but um, <laughs> c- crikey. Um, <laughs> okay, and you sort of, uh, to this day, do you know what I mean? I, I owe my doctor, like, Dr. Debye's name is, bless him. He does, like, sort of care a lot for me, I think, because like, he's always checking in and whatnot. But without that call, do you know what I mean? He could have just left it sort of thing for the next hmm. day sort of the fact he phoned and said, look, you need to go now. Yeah. Just shows you the care sort of thing. Absolutely. Do you know what the cause of your kidney failure was? No. So obviously from then I went to the hospital. They'd done loads of biopsies, blood tests. And um, I had really, I had hypertension, really high blood pressure. Yeah. And they didn't, there was, they found lots of scarring on my kidneys, but they didn't really think, they didn't know whether it was, the high blood pressure causing the scarring or the kidneys causing the higher blood pressure. So, yeah, still to this day, I'm unsure which way round it goes. What came first, the scarring or the blood pressure? <laughs> yeah. Have you got a number on the blood pressure? I know I keep I say this a lot on here, but oh, who's going to who's going to top the blood pressure charts? I think on first illness. 
it was high. It was really high. Um, oh, I wouldn't like to say, but oh, <laughs> it was high, like unheard of high sort of thing. <laughs> I don't, well, most people, it started with a two. Yeah, so, yeah. And it, anyone who hasn't been through um, some sort of high blood pressure or um, organ failure listening to this, it's two and it's three. De- well, any sort of two at the start isn't a good number. Two and three digits or two and two digits, you don't want to see. But yeah, 200 is... Um, yeah, I think it was in the 200s. It's, yeah, it's dangerous. Do you think your fitness levels beforehand from running that marathon, and I know you said they, they did drop and you started to deteriorate after that, do you think they helped you deal with it more and cope physically? Uh, I think, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. I think I, I did play a bit of like five-a-side football as well, sort of thing, only sort of casual, nothing too serious. Um but yeah, definitely. Like, that's like one thing I think they should try and do more. Obviously, the problem is before the transplant, lots of people get really fatigued, and they can't be bothered. You know what I mean? But like, and mentally, it's really hard to sort of get up and go. But I think there should be a lot more to try and get people to get fitter because I think that will that helps with the recovery as well. Did you manage to avoid dialysis? I had it for two weeks, so I'd say, yeah, I did. I had to go on it for two weeks uh, just before the um, – to get me ready for the transplant. Yeah. But, yeah, like I was fortunate just to have two weeks, but I can't imagine how, yeah, people do it for longer and that. It's... This sounds very, very similar to to my progress with the swollen legs first, then rushed away – well, rushed away, told to go to hospital immediately – and then, yeah, dialysis was discussed as a like a two week bridging gap. Thankfully, I managed to avoid it. But did you go for the? I'm trying to think what I said to me now. Was it that the neckline in just for two weeks? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it stayed there for longer, which was annoying. <laughs> but yeah, having this thing dangling at your neck wasn't very comfortable. <laughs> so did you have to have more after the transplant, like a a kick, a kick or a wake up? Uh, no, no. I was quite fortunate. So my. I had a living donor, so my friend yeah. donated her kidney to me. Um, yeah, so I had the two two weeks dialysis, but um, we was a, it was an ABOI transplant, which basically we wasn't the same blood type, so I had to have a plasma exchange. Right, which I could only describe it. it's a bit similar to dialysis, where it basically flushes out all the plasma. I think I'm saying this right, and it gets rid of all your antibodies. So yeah, I had to I had to be in a room on my own for so long because obviously I couldn't be, go near anyone, sort of thing. And then yeah, that would allow the kidney to take better. Was it an easy decision for your friend that you well that you know of? You've spoken to them about it. Um, well, funny enough, it, we we was at like a um, family party, which was really random, and she, she just said, "Oh, I'll donate my kidney to you." Obviously, uh, family and close people got tested and that, but she was really what's the word not full on but yeah and then she messaged me the next day saying I really would like to do it so she went ahead with it and yeah I my missus fell pregnant so that ruled her out of it because she was that that was who was gonna be my kidney donor right but she fell pregnant which took that away from it and then yeah we just went ahead with Jude there was obviously more complications being different blood types and stuff like that but no, she sort of, and at the time I didn't, I don't really know whether I just wanted to get better or 
I'm not too sure. I didn't really say no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I just accepted it, I suppose. It's sort of a strange, strange emotions, different emotions. You don't really know. It's it's mixed in a way, isn't it? So it's like, oh, if someone's coming forward, I'm gonna, they're gonna give me the gift of life, and you got the gift of life twice with the pregnancy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it was a very difficult year that <laughs> <laughs> having a baby and a new kidney. It was quite tough. But yeah, like it's hard because you can't. If people offer their kidney, if offer you, like you said, the new a second go at life sort of thing. You can't sort of keep saying no to people. So mm. you've got to eventually say yes to someone. Do you think it brought you closer, the fact that your friend donated? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. We went, obviously, we went to all the um, consultations together, went to a guy's hospital where I had my transplant. We took so many journeys there together. Yeah, we got very close, very close. Did it, did it come from a fellow runner? No, no, no. <laughs> she doesn't run. <laughs> Since the transplant, has everything been going well since? Yes, I've been very fortunate, very fortunate. I have not had... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
any sort of complications. There have been times where I've had to go in for a quick biopsy because they get a bit worried. That was about four or five months in, but yeah, it turned out not to be anything. Good to hear. It's always nice to hear other people doing well from their after the transplants and that there's so many of us that have benefited from the donations of uh, family members, friends, altruistic living donors, or people who've unfortunately passed away but decided to donate their organs and save somebody else's life. How long did it take you to regain your fitness once you'd had the operation and recovered in terms of sort of the physical recovery and then thinking, oh, I can run again? Um, well, obviously before I had no desire to run sort of thing. Um, I did the mm. London Marathon. I didn't really it sort of, I'd done that and didn't think anything of it. Uh, but after the transplant, I didn't realise how ill I was, if that made sense. I didn't realise how yeah. tired. I knew I was tired because I'd come home from work and I'd be napping, whereas usually I wouldn't do things like that. But, yeah, after, it just sort of really woke me up. Obviously, I was still not able to go straight from the hospital bed to a run sort of thing. But I just, it was more the, the mental thing. I just really wanted to do go out there and do stuff do you know what I mean like the adventure sort of thing and obviously because I'd done that marathon and people said to me oh that's quite a quick time I thought oh let's take up let's give running another go sort of thing and um yeah I signed up to a marathon quite while I was still bed bound sort of thing trying to recover I signed up to a marathon and I've got on my notes here it was um 186 days I did another marathon since my transplant. Wow. That's a pretty short turnaround. Yeah. Well, three months, you'd say three months is like the recovery wow. sort of thing. So in a way, did your sort of your fitness and recovery become a, a major passion of yours, what it's led to now? Yeah, I think so. Just, I I sort of enjoyed it and then people were sort of telling me I was good at it. <laughs> so obviously when you like yeah. stuff, you're good at Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't really know. And then I... From then, I decided, right, let's get some running friends. So I, think, so I joined a club. And then, yeah, it's sort of things just escalated from there, really. It's nice to hear these sort of stories that you've had your transplant and then taken up this re- relatively new sport as you've only done that one, one very, very long run beforehand. But, and I think that's another benefit of the transplant games. You find these new sports that you've not played before and think, I'll have a go at that. You've obviously start, got into running before the Transplant Games, but it's, yeah, there's so many people in this in this community that have fallen in love with a new sport since the Transplant. Yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, I think it was just there for me to do sort of thing. There was no sort of other sports and I quite enjoyed it sort of thing. And it was always, it was that challenge. It was, there's new, there's different types of races you can do, like, whether it be muddy ones, hilly ones, like anything really. And then obviously you've got the personal performance in yourself to beat your time mm. and stuff like that. So you always like trained harder. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And then obviously joining a club, you sort of get competitive against your friends sort of thing, doing things and whatnot. Yeah. But I think with me as well, I think I've always had that adventurous side, like even before my transplant I like to travel and see new things so that also come out 
into the running sort of thing. Yeah, there's so many places you can go running, challenges like you've taken on already. Have you got anything else planned, whether that be running abroad, sort of mountain running, trail running? No, see, I don't know. I think running is going to sort of, my more adventurous side is going to come out rather than the running side of me now. Yeah. I really enjoy, like, mountains, like the, yeah, the whole mountain feel, whether it be climbing, just hiking up mountains. Because on my, obviously, since my transplant, I've done a challenge every year. To I, I try to get it as close to my date as possible but sometimes mm. it just doesn't work out but i've done a yeah challenges every year since my transplant sort of thing that have not always been running but just something to push what have you done so far so the first year i climbed kilimanjaro was my first year anniversary wow. the year the year after that i did a 24 hour treadmill run for transplant sport that was tough not very <laughs> But um, yeah, but fun as well. I actually broke the treadmill at the end, so I lasted. I, 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 no, 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 no! It just broke on me. It started failing with like an hour to go. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. Um, the, the year after that, I done a skydive. So, not, so not nice. everything sort of running or it's just challenging myself. That was just challenging to see if I could jump out of a plane or get pushed. <laughs> But yeah, it's just stuff like that. I really enjoy challenging myself, not just physically, but all sorts. Yeah. I probably should have asked this earlier when we were talking about the before your transplant, asking about running. What were your, your sports activities, interests before your transplant? Not not a great deal, really. I used to play fo- football was the main thing, really. I used to play five a side. When I was younger, I used to play 11 a side. Um, yeah, that's really it from school. It was just football. No, no sort of running like, or anything. Like a lot, really. Other than that. Yeah, it's, it just wasn't, I don't know. I don't know whether it wasn't open to me or, yeah, I'm not too sure. But football was the main thing and obviously moving forward was the running. Yeah. With that in mind, have you noticed many differences in your body before and after transplant? And is your fitness actually better after your transplant? Uh, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> I'm not sick after a mile run, so that's improved. <laughs> Yeah, I I, th- I I think it's the mental side of it. I'm just pushing myself more, I think, and I want to do more. I, I think that's yeah. the difference. It's nice to hear that you've taken that the second chance at life and really grabbed it with both hands and literally ran with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the missus appreciates me doing all these things. She, wor- she worries <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Were the Transplant Games always a goal once you'd heard about them and you'd got into running more and these sort of challenges? Well, yeah, as I got a bit better at the running sort of thing with the club, it was my um, consultant that said about it. And obviously I knew nothing about it. And they were like, oh, yeah, you can do it. It's like a sort of mini Olympic sort of thing. And obviously I was only interested in running. I didn't want to go there and start throwing a discus or anything like that because I'd be rubbish. (laughs) So, yeah, I sort of trained. I knew that it was the shorter distances. That was my only issue because, obviously, I'm used to half marathons, yeah. marathons, like to come down to sort of the 5K and 1500 sort of thing. But I really enjoyed it. And then going, I was a bit nervous going to my first one because I sort of didn't know anyone. But leaving, it was Liverpool, my first one. You make so many friends. And, that, yeah, since then, I've not missed one and I don't plan on missing one, to be fair. It's just amazing. Not not even just the sporting side of it, just the social and just 
being around people, like you said, people that have been through what you've been through. And even if you've not even got to really talk about it, you just sort of know. Yeah, yeah. From my short time with the transplant, I can already feel that. And I haven't been to the transplant games yet. Can't wait. And hopefully they are. Hopefully they go ahead next year. Uh, third time lucky. Yeah, hopefully. How many games did it take you to qualify for Team GB? Um, so I missed out on, I think it was Malaga. I missed out on that one. So, and then the next one was obviously in Newcastle. And yeah, got the sort of letter to say, do you want to compete for GB? And obviously I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, a, it was, I don't really know. It was really a surreal feeling to compete because obviously my running, I'm not, I'm not a Mo Farah sort of thing, but to have the honour of competing for GB was amazing. And obviously I knew people that had, I've spoke to people that had done it previously and they said, oh yeah, to compete against people from different countries and that. And yeah, it's just really exciting, really exciting. Where does competing for Team GB uh, rank amongst your greatest sporting achievements? Oh yeah, oh, it's, it's up there. It's definitely up there. It was just such an honour. And then obviously meeting people from other countries that have gone through similar things as you as well was just yeah. amazing. You've been very, very successful in competing for Team GB. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Um, so, yeah, I tried, uh, once I got into Team GB, I started training a, a lot more seriously because <laughs> I, I wanted to go there and, yeah, win, basically. I, I have got a competitive side. I ran the 5,000 metre, the 1,500, the 800, and I also competed in the 5K walk. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's where you have to wiggle your hips. <laughs> yeah, walk. yeah. I re- I've seen it on League of the Yeah, Rome. I really enjoy it, actually. It's really, yeah. It's hard to train for that, though, because you look a bit weird out on the street doing that. So yeah. that's uh, definitely a track event. <laughs> But I won... Jack White and I was a very interesting <laughs> I won five gold medals in total and got one world record there. You did well. I'd, yeah, I was really, really, really pleased with that. Plans for more gold? Yeah, so yeah, so Leeds next year. It was really tough doing the speed work because it's really unnatural to me sort of thing. But I, do, I really do enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. And obviously, any whether it's British or Welds, I always want to go there and try and be a bit competitive. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. As much as you're there because of everyone else is around you in the same or similar positions, you do want to do well when it comes to your events. Yeah, yeah. And, well, not I don't know, like with my group of friends, they sort of expect me <laughs> to do well now, which is, <laughs> which is a bit more pressure, actually, to be fair. When you came on this and I asked you to come on, I'm sure you, you imagined a lot of the questions that came up would be about running, considering the challenges taken part in and the fact that I'd got in touch, I think it was before you did it, saying, when you get back, yeah. do you want to come yeah. on this? And um, I've asked for some list of questions, as I do for every podcast. So if you want to get involved and have the chance to feature on the podcast, if you go over to the Transplants Take On Sport social media pages, which are at Transplants Take On Sport pod on Instagram and Facebook and at TTOS pod on Twitter. I'll put something out the day before we record. Uh, you'll find out who's coming on before they come on and before the podcast is out. So you can see who's coming up. You might know someone coming on in the future. Um, and you get the chance to ask your questions for a chance to feature on the podcast. Had a few in this time. And uh, the first one comes from Andrew. 
and he says, it was good to meet you on the road. And this is about your the jog. It was good to meet you on the road near Aviemore. You are a true inspiration to us all. How did you find the isolation of your solo run and how hard was it? Oh, yeah, that was, it was really tough, really tough. Just being in sort of your own head for like 12 hours a day sort of thing. It's, I, I don't know. I don't know how I coped with it, if I'm honest with you. It's a bit like when people ask me, how did I do it? I, I don't actually know how I did it. But that was one of the one of the tough things. I had um, one of the stories. I had arguments with sheep, with cows. I was literally having an <laughs> argument with it. I had an argument with a hill once as well. But, yeah, you sort of do go a little bit do lally when you're on your own sort of thing. But, yeah, I, I survived. <laughs> but I'm not like, – I actually can't answer that question. I didn't really play – I think you mentioned earlier about playing games and stuff like – one of my friends said to me about oh play the a to z game i think of like famous people starting with a to z there was that but then it soon gets very boring (laughs) you can't even play i spy no (laughs) one for me that's come up now um did you have somebody with you to sort of take you to the hotels and follow you along the route no so it's totally solo i had all right my partner for the first four days which was a big help so she could sort of drive me she could be like my sort of pit stop sort of thing and then I had um, a couple of friends along the route and then just people that randomly said they were going to meet me like at this place or that place but no I didn't have I didn't sort of have a um, like a car in front a bike in front or anything like that yeah it was yeah all right the next question still on the similar topic of your run uh, was that it comes from the the world club basketball tournament and it says, was there a point in your Land's End to John O'Groat's run where you thought, why am I doing this? Yes, every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> uh, apart from the, the first day was fine. Every day after that. Why am I? You sort of go, you go through all emotions. Why am I doing this? I don't care. And stuff like this. Yeah. You go through every emotion every day. <laughs> and funny enough, it's sort of, there was sort of a, um, I think it was around two o'clock. I'd get my sort of low sort of thing where I'd be like really sort of depressed day. Oh, I can't do this. I'm stopping. But it's that thought process of, well, if I stop, no one's coming to pick me up. So I've still got to get to that hotel sort of thing. So there's no point stopping. Was there sort of a day or a point in the route where you were really thinking, oh, maybe at the end where you thought, oh, can I do that? Can I go back and do more? Can I do that again? <laughs> no, no. no. No, I did. I got the ump when I had road closures. I had to run an extra two miles. <laughs> I didn't want to run an extra ten meters. What is done, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The next question comes in from uh, Megan, and she says, "What are your tips for getting into running? I can walk a long way, but struggle to run. Walk, run. Just start really slowly. Really, so many people I run with." And try to sort of help them or guide them and that. And they, they're going too fast all the time. You've just really got to start slow. And it seems pointless in a way, but you soon do build up very... Running is... Yeah, you can build up very quickly in terms of running. Like whether you're going to a park run on a Saturday, just start off walking and then run in between a lamppost and then stop and walk again. And that 
run that you've just done there is progress because you weren't walking it, if that makes sense. And then just do it again yeah. and do it again. And yeah, honestly, before you know it, you'll be running rather than walking. It's something that you hear, I've heard a lot from people I've spoken to who sort of struggled to get fitness back after the transplant and running becomes difficult. Did you notice that at first? Um, it, it's, it's, it's obviously harder because you've lost a lot of fitness. You've, yeah. you've not done anything. You've sort of, I don't like to say a vegetable, but do you know what I mean? You've sort of, your body's not used to it. So it, it takes time, but you just have to persevere with it and it will come. It will come back. It's just taking it slow. That's the main thing. The final question that we had in from the, the listener questions that I asked for comes from Oliver, and it's, it's not a running question, although it may, may turn out to be one. What sport would you like to see in the transplant games that they don't that they do not currently have? Oh. Um, on a selfish point, I'd like them to do a half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm not too sure actually. Um, I can't think. My answer, my answer is obvious because my main my main sport isn't in it. I'd like to see cricket. In there, yeah. But, uh, whether it will or not, I don't know. But I'll try and think of something. I'm not. I've not even thought of that before. Before coming on, you got any ideas? Um, oh, I'm not too sure actually. They've got the swimming. Yeah, I'm not too Maybe sure. Maybe something, oh, something out there that's a bit different, you, like an ultimate frisbee or yeah, maybe something, something like that. Those lines. Like um, what's that um? Oh, again, it's going back to running, but you jump. Is it parkour? It's called or something like obstacle yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. Matt Hancock loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, that. Or I was just had a thought, pole vault, because I just watched the Olympics, and yeah. I'd love to know that you get involved in that. It's so high, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How would you start to... Yeah, I'm not too sure, but that would be interesting. World Transport Games, are you listening? <laughs> yeah. can, can, we get, can we get pole vault, cricket, <laughs> parkour, and ultimate frisbee into the Transport Games? And a marathon, and a marathon. And a, mar- <laughs> a marathon, marathon, half marathon. <laughs> Can we just run from Land's End to John O'Groats? Oh, no. Ryan, it's been a pleasure to chat to you and hear more about well, running and how you've taken on this challenge. I'm going to try and, and run more. I've been doing it for fitness, but I get a bit bored, as I said earlier. I'm going to try prepare and run for further. Leads. You've got to prepare for leads. That's the motivation. <laughs> one more question before we go, and it's the one that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? Um, Facing a transplant? I would just say try and remain strong positive obviously you're at your lowest point at this at that moment so you've got a yeah just a positive positive mental attitude try and stay strong because it's not going to last you're not going to be like that forever so sort of keep the faith completely agree with you and there we go thanks to ryan for coming on the podcast if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far if you like the other podcasts Please make sure you subscribe, follow whichever podcast app you normally use. And please tell your friends, tell your family, whether they've had a transplant or not, whether they play sport or not, whichever one of those groups they fall into or not, we'll take them all. Anyone can listen and hopefully be inspired by the uplifting stories like Ryan's that you've heard today. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, that is the most used app to listen to the podcast on. It would mean a huge amount to me if you could go onto that app and uh, find the podcast, scroll down on the show page, find the review section and rate it five stars on there as that really does help more people discover the podcast. And if you're really feeling helpful, you could leave a review along with your five-star rating and any five-star reviews will be read out at the end of the podcast.
Um, we've had a, another donation in, and I've mentioned it a few times before, the ACAST supporter feature that you'll probably hear and maybe not hear because you might skip at the start of the podcast thinking it's an advert. The ACAST supporter feature is is a voice, not me. Somebody goes, love this podcast. Why not check out the ACAST supporter feature? That is where you can donate if you'd like to. No pressure to, absolutely no pressure. Uh, and any money from there will help the podcast grow and go forward, whether that be on equipment, editing software, um, subscriptions to recording websites, keeping the podcast going on ACAST. That all helps. And a big thank you to previous guest Ray, who actually donated a very generous and very unexpected £200, which really does help the podcast going forward. So thank you very much, Ray, for that. Uh, I've mentioned the social media already. You can go and follow them as well if you'd like to. They'll all be linked to the description. Thanks again to Ryan for coming on. Really enjoyed the chat. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplant's Take on Sport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.